The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We will talk about Murph's draft manifesto. Wide receivers. Murph and I talked for about 25 minutes over the weekend about what the Green Bay Packers should do at wide receiver. It's a great conversation. I'm excited to have Murph back doing this for us. We will also offer some perspective on the Milwaukee Brewers and talk about the NBA MVP race and why Nikola Jokic does not deserve the award. And at best, he is a third place finisher. We'll get into all of that today. Um, Before we do, just a reminder, follow us on social media, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg Sports on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Also, make sure that you are subscribed. If you're not, if you're new to the program, you're one of Murph's buddies, you're checking us out. Hopefully, you'll check out our other content. Uh, Also, too, if you already are subscribed, make sure you're leaving a review. Make sure you're leaving a rating. We appreciate that, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's anywhere else, we are all are grateful for that okay let's waste no more time and let me introduce nolan murphy for those who don't know murph uh, he's been a regular on this program he one time did the having the keg podcast with me and mitch one time it was just murph and i uh, murph's been around for a while no one loves the nfl draft more than nolan murphy he has his murph's big board every year Uh, It's been on our site, I think, for the last, it might be like 10 years, man. It's been a long time. Uh, I barely knew Murph when when I first posted it. I met Murph once in a basement uh, the day Zach Granke got traded, and then I was putting up his content and editing the absolute hell out of it. So that is Nolan Murphy in a nutshell. I shot out his Twitter handle in the beginning. Um, it's just, it's really good stuff. I think it'll really help help you get smarter about what the Green Bay Packers want to do at wide receiver. Um, so pick his brain. We talk a lot about all the different wide receivers in the first couple rounds, a couple day three guys mentioned. And I think you'll have a better idea of what the Green Bay Packers might do at wide receiver. All right. Here's Murph. We'll be back on the other side to talk Brewers and the NBA MVP. The second annual Murph's Draft Manifesto is here. We are talking wide receivers to start the hottest topic in the Packer Twitter world. Uh, Welcoming in Nolan Murphy uh, at the Nolan Murphy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. As the uh, the Big J journalists say, I think this is my uh, 21st draft I'll have covered yeah. uh, in some way or another. Um, <laughs> you know, your explanation of uh, covering, you know, I'll let that up. be up to you guys. But uh, it's draft season. It is the most important part of the Packers offseason every year uh, since we don't sign free agents and also uh, decide to trade our best players away from time to time. And it's going to be a fun one. I love the draft. And... It is not a great draft this year for the you know premier quarterback positions, but it is an amazing draft for what the Packers need. Uh, you know, and we'll hit in wide receivers and do a couple more of these. But uh, I think that is why people aren't excited about the draft like nationally, right? Because the quarterbacks kind of stink, um, yeah. and we won't spend much time on the quarterbacks no. because. Uh, you know, the world's going to burn down if we pick Desmond Ritter <laughs> yeah. at 22. But um, it would be fun, though, if you just to look real quick, if we didn't have Jordan Love. Because yeah. I would think, you know, with all the day one and day two picks we have, that they might look at it. They would draft a quarterback for yeah, sure. Yeah, 100%. They'd so, either draft Carson Strong, Desmond Ritter. Um, I think one of those guys would be on the yeah, table for that. I would say that Malik Wills wouldn't be there. I don't no. like Matt Corral. Um, but I love Carson Strong. 
coming off that knee injury, huge arm. Yeah. Hopefully a better Mason Rudolph is probably where I have him right now. Mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter, I have no idea what to I, – I think he's a very unknown athlete. Um, not as athletic as RG three, but maybe a better passer. I think Ritter. I think Ritter is going to have like a trajectory where it's all of a sudden he's rookie of the year. Like I would take his odds. I, I'm pretty high on Desmond Ritter. But I just like. I, I mean, taking a quarterback to win rookie of the year is the smart thing. It's like right. taking a quarterback to win MVP. Right. It's so for sure. It's like everyone wholly loading up on Josh Allen, where the pivot would be Justin Herbert. But that's another story for another time. Uh, we're talking wide receivers. Um, I think there's been popular wide receivers throughout the NFL draft process. So, you know, I think everybody's hyped on Chris Olave. I think everybody's hyped on Christian Watson in a way, as well as George Pickens has become the kind of the new bell of the ball. Do you have a favorite? Do you have one where you're like, wow, I really like this guy. I really like the fit. He makes a lot of sense for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, well... I mean, to back up a little bit, I yeah. think there's almost, if you look at, and let's really just care about day one and day two. Yeah, yeah. The Packers have had a lot of success in day three picking players over the years. MVS, you know, yeah. was a day three pick. Um, he will, you know. David net, Bakhtiari was yeah, a day three exactly. pick. I mean, I tell, net, people, yeah. I tell people. I tell people. that in compensatory pick. We'll get a right. fifth round pick back from MVS. Right. And I tell people this all the time. Um, again, there are some things where I sound like a broken record, but, I, you know, with the draft, for every round four pick, there is a David Bakhtiari, and for every other round four pick, there's a Juman Moore, right? Yep. And so you can't, like, when the Packers trade picks, you're like, oh, my God, they traded this pick. Like, it could be something. You don't know. Like, that was the whole Jordan Love hand-wringing thing, which I don't need to revisit, but it's like that was the whole, pro- like, that was the whole problem with it. So, yes, this is a fun receiver draft. I guess if maybe we don't do the favorites, it's – do you think it's going to go quick? Do you think these guys are going to just fall off the board? Kind of like what we saw when the Packers needed a quarterback and Justin Jefferson, who we all loved, we all wanted in 2020, he was off before the Packers even got a shot at Yeah, so I think it's a three-tier draft right now in day one and day two. I believe, and you know, history shows it's a copycat league. And so people, everyone thinks they're going to get the next Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson when they could certainly pick the next Jalen Rager, yeah. um, you know, who was in that same draft to the right. Eagles. You know, also looking for a receiver for maybe the third straight year. No yeah. team has done that since the Lions in the first round. Shout out and to that, Matt Mellon. Yeah, and that didn't work out very well. So, you know, I really think it's Jamison Williams. He is not – he's my number one receiver. He will not go first um, unless he really starts to check out health-wise. Now, they said he's been running in the pool and he has plans to come back by training camp. Uh, that won't be the case if he gets drafted by the Packers with how no. conservative they're being. No, Pat McKenzie will be like, yeah. We're, you're on ice till at least but October, I, fella. I, I think it's the four. It's the two Ohio State guys. Garrett Wilson is more explosive. Chris Olave is more proven. Mm-hmm. Most scouts and opposing coaches said Garrett Wilson was extremely scary, where Olave, I think, is more of the Devontae Adams, Golden Tate type, um, you know, where you may not be a go-to number one. And Devontae was not a number one until about three right. years ago. He was more of a, you know, in-between-the-20s type of guy, possession yeah. receiver, and he really learned how to be great route, a route runner, and that's what Olave is. I also would throw Drake London in there as your, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, just big, big guy. Yeah. You know, Julio, at not to that level of Julio, but I think it's those four guys, and then there's a big drop-off, actually, until you get to the second round. Right, and that'll be an interesting thing to watch, is if those guys go, will there be a guy like Christian Watson, Sky Moore, George Pickens? Are they on day one boards for people, or are they I don't they think George guys? Pickens, who has had, who you know put what he wanted to, it has visited with the Packers. Yeah, um, I don't think George Pickens is a day one guy. 
Um, if he doesn't tear his ACL in spring ball last year, 100%. he would be. He made one of the more impactful catches in the Alabama-Georgia game. Might have won the Georgia game for them. Right. That deep ball down the middle. When healthy, he is extremely talented. There's also some weird rumors that cannot be confirmed if he is, if Carl Pickens is his father or not. Oh shit! If, and I've done some googling search. <laughs> no one can tell. Uh, they don't know who his mom is. If that's true, I'm way in in a Donovan Mitchell way or a Pat Mahomes way. Yeah. I love drafting guys where right. their father has been a professional sure. athlete. Either the athleticism or the ability to be a professional, understand right. how to handle your money, how to be in a locker room, how to handle the fame, how to, you know, getting drafted isn't like, oh my God, my life's over. Sure. You have more work to do. Right. So. And I do wonder, going back to the Ohio State guys, I do wonder how much hype from Packer fans there is because they watch these guys because they're ba- they're Badger fans and they, Olave tore up the Badgers a couple yes. times. Like, Olave so, t- tore up the Big Ten. He was right, one of right, the best right. receivers I've oh, ever yeah, yeah, in the Big Ten yeah, in a long time. 100%. Um, and multiple quarterbacks too for Olave yes. too, and th- they both beat out Jameson Williams. You know that's the reason Jameson Williams went sent his bags packing to yes. Alabama, right? So, and so yeah, though there's a lot, there's a lot there, and there's a lot where those guys could go a little earlier. Both visited with the Jets, who are at ten. There was a kind of a fake news rumor that the Jets offered ten for DK Metcalf. I don't believe that. Um, well, I don't know why you would do that when you have to just turn around and pay, pay them, but yeah. the Jets are pretty, The Jets are the Jets, yes. and the Jets want to make a splash, and I think... Well, I think they, they're kind of where the Dolphins are with uh, Zach Wilson, Yes, where like, there's so many good quarterbacks coming out next year yes. that I think the Jets and the Dolphins and a couple other teams are like, we got to figure out if we need a quarterback, because we can't miss out on the yeah. stack quarterback. You can't miss out uh, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, like, that, that, just, can't, that yeah. just can't happen. I would be pretty surprised if those four receivers are... Any of them are there at 22. The only reason they would be is if the quarterbacks go. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, there's buzz today that Malik Willis might go number two, which is just insane. Saw, I just saw that in mock draft. I mean, Kyle I, Hamilton I, is falling out of the top ten right now. Well, you know, when now we, that gets interesting. We yeah, can talk about that. That'll be out there later, but for those that will listen and, you know, will read later, you know, he'll be in my Eric Berry memorial of guys <laughs> I would just trade the field for. Right. And, you know, tell Darnell Savage or, you know, Adrian Amos to, you know, we'll figure it out. Well, yeah, we'll make, we'll just make, we'll just make it work. We'll, We'll make it happen. But I think, I mean, the Ravens, uh, the Commanders, um, the Eagles, the Saints all need receivers. Uh, the Steelers don't draft first-round receivers. Chargers so. might need a receiver, yeah, too. The, with what well, I don't really think so. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they have other assets. But I think, I think. they got to pay Keenan Allen soon, and I don't think they want to pay Keenan yeah, Allen. I, would be sh- I mean, I would think they would. they're a team that could pick Jamison Williams. They're a team that like the Chiefs. They did that with Mike Williams. Yeah. I mean, Mike Williams was banged up coming yeah. out of Clemson. I mean, it was a. I think it was a third or second the, the round. Pats, pick. obviously, if, yeah. if Saban tells Belichick that yeah. Jameson Williams is the right deal, he won't get past twenty-one. Nope. Because those teams that have quarterbacks on rookie contracts have an ability to kind of redshirt a guy yes. and bring a guy slowly along. So I would. I mean, I would be bummed. Uh, I would be bummed if we didn't take Jameson Williams. I'd be right. kicking and screaming. But I do think there's a lot of pressure on the front office to do something quickly. Where are you at with Tra- Tra- Travion uh, Burks? Yeah, I'm pretty out on him. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Not a great athlete from like in terms of quickness. He, to me, seems like an SEC system guy. He didn't run a lot of real routes. They didn't have a traditional quarterback at Arkansas. Right. KJ Jefferson. Oh, yeah, a lot of gadget stuff. He kind of scares me in a Jalen Rager way where he was kind of used as an athlete, and I just don't see how that fits into the West Coast offense or with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you're not going to be able to run routes, you're not going to get on the field. Look at Amari Rodgers last right. year. Right. So uh, he really scares me, and I think if he was the uh, – 
you know, someone available at 22, I would not take him. So that, I, I, I think Christian Watson could move into the first round. Um, you know, he's I, also really raw. He's I mean, really that's, raw. That's, that's the scary. Thing. It's gonna hasn't played a lot of football in the last two years. You know, they only right. played one game two years Fair ago. Fair point. Um, so that really scares me a lot. And I, I think it's really. I think Burks will go in the first round. Yeah. Um, I think Dotson will go too. I Dotson's I I, not scares, a Packer. Yeah. I think we should all like. This is like a PSA to people. Like if you're if you're putting Dotson in your fake mocks that you're sending to your buddies and things like that. Dotson's not a Packer receiver. He's under six foot. He's under 180 pounds, and the trajectory of those guys don't really work. There, yeah. there are for like every Steve Smith, there is a Tavon Austin. Yeah, or Travis Benjamin, who's oh, really yeah, yeah, a yeah. special team. Right, exactly. You know, and it'll get interesting with Sky Moore. I was kind of out on Sky Moore early, and then you know Mel Kiper and McShay. They continue to bring up his name. There's the, going to be the Greg Jennings comparisons because of the Mac school he went to. I think because he went to Western Michigan and Lafleur's ties to the Mac, there'll be some good research on him. Sure, he has great tape. He was breaks super, a ton of tackles. Yeah, super. He was super productive. He reminds me of Golden Tate. He reminds me of like the guy that plays bigger than him, like Steve Smith. So I would think about him at 28. Um, yeah. If I felt confident in what I already got at 22. Yeah. So that I wouldn't go after the first round. I just don't. I don't think George Pickens is going to get there at um, the at the second for the first second I don't round think, pick. Yeah. yeah, and then that. So that's kind of my tier two. Really is you know we'll call it now Dotson in just terms of draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Burks, Moore, and Dotson, and then I think the tier three, which is day two, you know, round two and three. There's like ten receivers. I oh, think right. going to go. Well, the question, you know, John Michi is another one. Mechie, I should say. Mispronounced there. But Mechie is a guy who, again, another knee injury. But SEC dude had a ton of speed. Can he kind of mash that? And he was a possession guy. He's a little short. He's 5'11". Now. Yeah, he reminds so, me too much of what we already have in Randall Cobb mm-hmm. and Amari Rogers. Um, but, again, I would I hope Matt LaFleur is one of those guys that calls Saban. You know, yeah. Saban basically called out. That most of the league doesn't call him on players, which that's weird. Yeah, that's, that's like calling super someone weird. that you're interviewing for a reference. Is it just? I wonder if it's just like they think like Belichick has such a stranglehold on it. But yeah. what about Alec Pierce? He's Love become, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce has become like the underrated Jordy type because he's yeah. white, but he's six three to eleven. He's fast, really good size. I actually prefer him over Christian Watson in terms of someone that needs to make an immediate contribution. Yeah. He's played a lot of football since he senior. Desmond Ritter played against some good teams, tore up Notre Dame. Professional system with Luke Fickle, like yep. you know. There's a lot to like about him, and I think he's on the Packers board because they have since he connections Josiah Deguera. Yeah, they've watched some tape on this guy before. Yep. Um, there's a lot of guys out of since he. You know, they're gonna have when you're that good at football and you're yep. a non-power five, you're gonna have some guys get drafted. Yeah. You know who's a guy who I he's more of a date. He's more of a third round pick, fourth round pick, but. A guy where I look at him, and I don't know if you do this, where you're like, sometimes the testing doesn't show out and it's just an eye test. Like, I watched David Bell in college at Purdue, mm-hmm. and I watched David Bell dominate games. Like, I, I like he would always be open, didn't matter. And I realized his testing absolutely stunk. I don't know. I just. Sounds like a day three pick to me. Goody's oh, 100%. Testing. Yeah, I know. Goody, Goody won't do it. But I'm just saying, if David Bell ends up on like the Vikings, I'm not going to be happy about it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I, I actually never really remember going this deep on a wide receiver class in a long yeah, time. Well, I mean, yeah. I think the normal person knows like five to ten names. Yeah. So 
you know, day two, day three guys to look at. I really like Jalen Tolbert. He was pretty successful. Uh, Justin Ross. You have to remember Not when a, he was a in, freshman. Yeah. He oh, no, tore he's, up yeah, Alabama. Yeah, a ton of injuries. With, with, bad, he yeah, had a bad neck issue. Yeah, but like, right. That guy was a five-star. I love to oh, yeah. draft these pedigree guys sometimes. That I mean, that's the, Rashawn, that's the Rashawn Gary thing, right? Yep. It's basically the same thing. And that's the uh, Cleo Barnes uh, thing, too. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting uh, to kind of just go down the line. I do like Christian Watson, but I prefer Alec Pierce over him. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin Austin and Romeo Dobbs from Nevada. You know, Romeo Dobbs Dobbs was Carson Strong's go-to receiver. So you worry about that a little bit in terms of competition. But the Packers have had a ton of success drafting non-Power 5 receivers on day two. You know, look at it. James Jones, Greg Jennings, Devontae Adams. There is a huge MBS. There is a track record. We are not a big blue blood receiver program over the years. And that's because we're going to go measurables. You know, the Packers did have... Tycon Thornton in from Baylor for a visit. He is a flyer. Yeah, that and would be your Rich Basicchia, you know, kind of one of those things where you're maybe picking him third or fourth round and you're hoping that this guy becomes, you know, your go-to kick returner and punt returner for the rest rest of the next few years. Yeah, uh, Devin Tompkins they'll have a good look at because he was Jordan Love's one of his go-to guys back in the day out of Utah State. I think they'll have a really good fool, uh, feel for him. And, you know, then we're getting really down. Reggie Robinson, <laughs> the SMU team was electric um, throwing the ball. You know, Kevin Austin from Notre Dame is a guy that was productive in college. Um, and Josh Johnson from Tulsa was also productive. So, I mean, the Packers, they have basically came out and said they're going to go Mike McKenzie, Fred Vinson, um, Antoine Edwards. They're going to pick three guys. You know, they're going to – That's, they, that's they, kind of they, – they, they've done it before. I mean, yeah. they did it with running backs. They've they did done, it with receivers. They, yeah, offensive linemen. EQ, yeah. MBS, right. uh, and Jamon Moore. Right. So, you know, I don't know who we're going to pick, but we I, I would be surprised if we didn't pick uh, Devin Tompkins from Utah State in day three because there's going to be the love stuff. We've drafted a lot of guys from Utah State. We mm-hmm. obviously like whoever our scout is out there. And if it, you know, if it pans out from a measurable standpoint – Goody's going to go that way. So I think what you're saying to the people is don't panic if they don't draft a receiver in round one. Yeah, I'm not going to panic. Unless we get one of those four, Yeah, um, I would definitely not pick one at 22. And at 28, you know, my thought process is, you know, and I learned from afar from the Packers that if at 28 there's a quarterback on the board, Someone's I'm going to start it. calling. Yeah. Because they're going to want that fifth yeah. year in the contract. It's extremely valuable. And I would love – to fleece someone. I, There's so, a lot of teams with a lot so of here's, picks. This would be really interesting, and I don't know if they would do it, but if I was Goody and I wanted to kind of put my nuts on the table a little bit and there's a quarterback available, I might call the Lions and say, hey. 32 and 34. Right. Yeah, yeah so let's, the, let's get... Let's, let's get make the, them desperate. Yeah, let's try to see if we can get the Lions to... The, the, the way the draft um, equation works out is... Like twenty two for thirty two and thirty four is the Lions giving yes. us too much value, but you have to offer that right. Right, away. and if the Lions are like, we'll only do it for a thirty for a thirty four, and then it's like, okay, well, we well, probably well, would well, need you would need more. Yeah, you, need yeah more. you would need. They have a late second round pick, I believe, um, and then I mean, I'm all for having more uh, swings at the tape, you know, the plate in day two. I think it's a pretty deep draft, and the other positions will hit on a little bit. And I, you know, we have six picks. I'm fine coming out of there with nine picks and not having any on day three. I yeah. mean, you're telling me we're getting nine guys that – if you're going to get picked on day two at one point or another, there was probably a chance you could have been picked in the first round. Right. Absolutely, or you, yeah. you might end up 
being a first round pick. Yeah, in the like long in run, of, it's like yeah, how do we how do we miss on this guy? You know, Levante Davis is a second round. There's so many good second round picks, right? And we were like, yeah, I, I, the All Pro teams every year filled up with them. Yes, exactly. So I'm not worried at all. If a, I'm not worried if Packers don't draft a receiver. I'm with you, and I'm also not worried if they don't draft both those guys as like receivers right away. Do you want to? I guess to kind of do the inverse. If Olave is there, 17-18, do you want the Packers to move up, or are you just like, hold your water? I think it depends on what happens with the quarterbacks, okay. because I don't want to move up in what we did a couple of years ago, and then he not be there, and we already paid all this draft capital, yeah. because it's not going to be cheap to move up if people are interested right. in the quarterbacks. Right, right. And they, I think they moved up with the hope that Brandon Ayuk was going to be there. And, yeah, yeah. and it didn't the, happen. He, yeah, and he was the consolation prize right. for Justin Jefferson. And it didn't happen, and they were saddled. They, Jordan Love was their last pick on their board. I go to Ben saying that. I don't need to repeat it again. And there was no one for them to trade out of it. No, exactly. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't they work were that way where you can pause the draft yeah. and Madden. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're kind of screwed there. Yeah, you can't reset. Can't reset. Is there any guy or any situation where you look at the rivals, um, whether it be in the division or Seattle, I don't even say Seattle's a rival anymore with Wilson gone, but the Niners, the Rams, Cowboys. Is there any scenario where you're like, fuck, they got this guy and that's not great? Yeah, I mean, I don't consider the Bears a rival as of today, but I think you had brought this up to me off the you know record a couple weeks ago, but... Giving them an Ohio State receiver, even Jamison Williams, I, the Bears, you know, they don't have a pick, right? Uh, but they could certainly trade up. And I, you know, as a Packer fan, do not want to see Justin Fields succeed, yes, uh, because he has a lot of talent. He just needs to figure it out. And I think giving him a familiar target would be concerning down the road, yeah, you know, for the Packers. So I think, I, I mean, there's a good chance that they could, since there's three of them technically that have ties. I just don't know if the McCaskey family, who you know has less money than the United States does right now, um, <laughs> is willing to trade up and, and leverage their future anymore. Uh, you know, they might have to sell a few more season tickets to Lori Lightfoot. So yeah, exactly. Well, you know that, that new stadium hasn't come yet, and I think that's another part of it too. Is that like, you, to answer your no, question, I like agree. You, like I, I agree. I think I think that would be a extreme issue. I think. Also, too, if the Vikings got more of a possession guy or more, even like I, I mean, the Vikings, I don't want them to draft Jameis Williams. No, but they could do something stupid like that. Um, yeah, we have no feel for what the Vikings are going to do with a new, new GM. Front, yeah, front that's GM. That's this, and that's a like a weirdly scary thing. But the thing that I would tell fans, even if the Vikings have a good draft, is Spielman always would have good drafts. Spielman, Spielman drafted off my draft board Spiel- for years. We, I, you know, <laughs> my Vikings friends joked how bad I was at drafting. <laughs> Because they would get, you know, Cam Dantzler's been great for the Vikings. He's been an awesome Packer. So, yeah, Spielman, um, who I think there's rumblings he might get another job. Right. Uh, he threw Zimmer under the boss. He's a and... scout at the end of the day. He's John Dorsey. Yeah. He's a scout. He's not a GM. Mm. I don't know, though. The Niners, like, they're really good. We can't beat them. And de- wide receiver's not a need for them. Unless but the Debo is... thing goes, goes sideways, but I don't expect it to. I think they'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the Niners at this point, anyone they – like, if they were to draft – uh, Travion Burks, I would be nervous. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Because he they, he they gets the Debo. He yeah. is like a large Debo. That's what uh, Danny Kelly called him. He called him a Debo with like a mushroom. He is. He is not a traditional receiver in right. my opinion. But that would scare me. Um, it's yeah. The Niners. I think anybody the Niners get, you're like, okay, this guy's gonna be great. Or you're like, of course they fucking got this guy. That's that's kind of what the Niners always feel like, right? Like the Bucks to me are like the Nets. I'm not too scared of them. No. Anymore. I, I think they're a little bit paper tigery. Um They're getting as, old, man. Yeah, they're yeah, getting old. Right, like, exactly. And they 
they could be a team that could sneak up with a receiver and come out of nowhere just because Mike Evans getting up there in age. Godwin, they have the franchise tag on him. Who knows they want to pay Godwin. They could come through with a receiver. Do they pay Godwin? You're looking at me like they, oh, do they give Godwin a contract? They pay Godwin. I think Mike Evans has never not had a thousand yard receiver. And they just re-signed Perriman. I'd be pretty surprised if the Bucs went. The Bucs need offensive line. There's a ton of offensive line help, which, you know, we can transition that way. Um, But that's where I would go with the Bucs. And, you know, the NFC is just in such a weird place. And the Niners have to be licking their chops because there is no team of the future in the NFC. There is no team in four years you're like, oh, my God, they're going to be sticking around. You can't even say that about the Cowboys because we don't know. The fact that they haven't cut Zeke yet is hilarious. Well, first of all, clean up the Godwin thing. You're right. Three years, $60 million deal. Which is a cheap franchise tag, basically. Yeah, exactly. A good deal by Jason Light. But the Cowboys have also said they might want receivers. And Jerry, you know, Jerry just does Jerry things. I don't understand that. They just paid CD Lamb. Listen, listen, I'm not not Jerry Jones. I'm just saying that's what he said. The Cowboys might need a quarterback, honestly. I mean, no. Would it? Okay, so if the Cowboys drafted Desmond Ritter, like, is that surprising? I don't think that's surprising. Nothing that Jerry Jones does is surprising. (laughs) I I mean, the Cowboys need to draft a coach. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, are, are the Cowboys going to be using their pick or are the Saints going to be using it? Well, is the yeah. question with Sean Payton. Right. Or, and then the other the other angle with the Cowboys, if we go back to receivers, Burks because of that Arkansas connection. Yeah, Jerry loves them. Yes, yes, exactly. He I was. would love to see that. I mean, the Cowboys had to let Cedric Wilson go, you know, because they couldn't pay him. He was like a yeah, pretty was, decent number three yes, guy. Yes. Um, who wore number one, which was just very weird all year. But yeah, I think it was like tough. Wearing was, number one at the Cowboys is like wearing number one at Michigan, I feel like, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, like, did he deserve number one? No. Um, so, but yeah, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Until they get a new coach, I'm not going to take them seriously. Uh, I guess to wrap up, least favorite receiver on the board where you're like, I oh, got I do not like this guy. I don't there's nothing about him where I'm like, I'm a fan of it. Is it Dotson, would you say it because of it, this? it was Sky Moore for a little bit, but then, you know, I watched some tape and I felt comfortable there. Um, you know, I, I would probably say it, it's 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 either Dotson, he just scares me. He's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um Drake London is a little concerning. I think he's... Could like, be a workout warrior. He could be... He looked good in college. Uh, he, right. he did look the part in college, but it's the Pac-12. It's not the premier right. drop anymore. He looked against looked good against Notre Dame. He's had some ankle issues. He's a freak athlete. He could, I believe he played on the USC basketball team as a freshman. Um, but those guys aren't like... Other than Mike Evans... They're not like the NFL receiver anymore. That can yep. the new NFL receiver can play every position. Mike Evans is almost like an old school receiver. He's the Moose Muhammad jump ball guy. Yeah. So Drake London, I'd be happy, but he's got some concerning injury stuff. And isn't he just Alan Lazard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Is like is that it's just a Spider Man meme? All right, that will wrap up receivers. Unless you have anything else. No, just hope we. I mean. The world will burn down if we walk away from day two without a receiver. Yeah, I don't know what I do there because that would be a sat. That would be Saturday. I'd have to get on the podcast. I don't usually do Saturday podcasts. I'll be in Mexico, so uh, <laughs> you know, best of luck getting me on a landline. Murph is six cervezas deep by like eleven a.m. Like 
where there's a bunch of fire goody. I will be like, it's like the SpongeBob beam, whereas everything's on fire. You're trying to blow it out. That basically would be me. I'm trying to figure that all thing out. Because... At least Aaron Rodgers said at the Bitcoin conference that he is still coming back. I mean, we've been worried about that for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. He was out to dinner with Jimmy Graham. Uh, yeah, I did. Know, I did t- see that. Shorts the dinner guy. Yeah, shorts the dinner guy. Uh, Jimmy Graham is a free agent, so no, you never know. We're not doing it. I do not. I mean, I wouldn't do it for what we paid him last time, but for like $2 million, like, I'd throw Jimmy a jump ball in the end zone. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Rodgers, just on the end on that, I mean, what if every year you kind of have to get him like an anniversary gift, like you would for your significant other, and last year it was Randall Cobb, and this year it's Jimmy Graham? Oh, I hate I hate how much that, like, I, I, I can't even, like, debate that. Like, I'm like, yeah, that probably makes sense. So, Thanks. yeah, you heard it here first. Jimmy Graham, year two of Aaron Rodgers' anniversary gift. <laughs> yeah, the anniversary, that, I am actually, if, if they do sign Jimmy Graham, I will use that in a review of Jimmy Graham signing. All right, that does it. We'll be back. We'll be back uh, next time you'll hear us. We'll talk about the hog mollies and tight ends. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We will have multiple versions of that. Um, that's only part one of four. Uh, we will also do an offensive line one that I will bring out tomorrow. Uh, we will talk about the edge rushers probably for Friday's show or Monday. I haven't decided that yet. And then. We will also have safeties and, or linebacker safeties, and we do a little bit of special teams as well. Um, and then I'll compile all of them together and just be one podcast so you guys have that. So those who are real big draft heads or they miss one, um, we'll do that. And I'd love to hear feedback for those who are who listen on a regular basis. If you kind of want like three this week or two and two, um, we'll figure it out. I give the people what they want. I think I'm going to do all three though um, now that I'm thinking about it because we don't have we have the playoffs and everything like that. And once the playoffs get going, it's a little bit more difficult to structure content with the the brewer the bucks rocking and rolling but with this week being sort of a down week per se with content it's a perfect time to bring murph on and give us a little bit of a spark so i thank him again all right let's talk about the milwaukee brewers uh, so milwaukee brewers lost again uh they're one and three to start the season mike vasallo who obviously is a water carrier he's a brewers media relations guy he's been there for 20 years i don't expect mike vasallo to be critical of the brewers right he works for the team so i'm not trying to be a dick here when i say a, a professional water carrier but that's what a lot of the media relations guys are they are professional water carriers they make sure that the organization sounds good no matter what so Vasallo reminded the people that the Milwaukee Brewers were 1-3 to start last season as well. And that the Milwaukee Brewers finished with 95 wins. And I thought about this and I was like, I, first of all, I was kind of annoyed by it. I was like, okay, it obviously is getting under some people's skin within the organization that everybody's critical of the Brewers' start. I'll, go, I'll get back there in a second. But I, I, I do think that some perspective is needed. While I don't like dropping games to the Chicago Cubs and the Baltimore Orioles because those are teams you should beat, I remind myself of what the Brewers were at the start of last season and how it was kind of this real malaise until Memorial Day. Do you guys remember that the Milwaukee Brewers were 25 and 25 through the first 50 games of this season? <laughs> Like I, I kind of forgot about it. I now then I was like, okay, yeah, the Willie Adamas run, and once they got Willie Adamas, that sort of turned a corner for this Brewer team, and they sort of were the spark of life, and they 
go on this crazy run and only lose 14 times the rest of the first half of the season, which is absolutely incredible. And the Brewers were a complete juggernaut through the month of May into the month of July and then became one of the best teams in baseball. So that's to say we shouldn't overreact. I do think losing these games matter. I do think if, say, a Cardinals are hot or the Chicago Cubs play above water, you'll look back at these games and say, well, I wish the Brewers would have had those. I wish the Brewers were playing better and they could have accumulated a few more wins. Because you look at the start of this schedule and you're like, the Brewers should have started fast. And so them getting slow out of the gates and then you have a, a three, four game series, excuse me, the St. Louis Cardinals coming up, that's, that's not easy, right? The Cardinals are always going to be a bitch to deal with. Even if the Cardinals are not... The Cardinals of old, they still have guys that are going to frustrate you. They still have a pitching staff that's okay. It's good, not great. They are going to try to outslug everybody. And guess what? Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt love to hit in Miller Park. And I realize that I, it should be AmFam Field, but I just say them interchangeably. I'm not one of those losers who is like, it's still Miller Park to me. Those people can fuck off. Those people have no understanding of sponsorship exemptions. That's actually a great uh, mini keg or a Chuck's Corner I should do about people who still are calling it Miller Park. I do it out of habit. Like, I just forget. Like, it rolls off the tongue. It's harder to say AmFam Field. But uh, the people who like are like, no, it's Miller Park still, they can fuck off. Anyways, back to the Brewers and perspective. So the Brewers started off slow. In fact, the Brewers only scored five runs in the three losses that they had in the in last year too. So Brewers had five runs in their three losses as well. Or yeah, yeah, that's right. So they they had only accumulated five runs. The problem is is the Brewers were able to get shut out twice, and so I think that's part of the concern, right? is that the offenses look so bad that you have to ask a couple questions. The Brewers, maybe it's maybe it's the constant day games, right? They played four straight day games to start the season. And maybe that threw them off a little bit. You know, guys are creatures of habit. They technically only play, I think, one or two day games a week, usually. They play one on Wednesday or Thursday, then they play one on Sunday, the occasional Saturday day game. Maybe that's throwing them off. Maybe the fact that they'll get back into sort of a night game rotation these next two nights in Baltimore will actually help the Brewers and actually kind of propel them to play better baseball. Maybe that's sort of the, the recipe there. Maybe that's that's what it's going to take for Milwaukee to sort of turn it around. Now, if they're able to beat Baltimore in the next two games and they're 3-3, three and three, I don't think anyone is... I mean, it's disappointing, but... Two out of three against Baltimore is a lot better than losing both those series. I think two out of four, losing four out of your first six against the Cubs and the Orioles is not a great way to start the season. I wouldn't say that it's a complete panic, but it definitely worries you some that you go that you stumble that hard out of the gates. But to offer some perspective, the Atlanta Braves, you know, they started their season off with. Cincinnati Reds, Washington Nationals, you think, okay, the Braves are going to start hot. Braves have stumbled out the gates. I think they're now 2-3. and three. Their pitching has been terrible. They get tagged again tonight against the Washington Nationals. So, I mean, it's not like the Brewers are alone here, right? The New York Yankees, again, started out slow. Who They're notorious slow starters because they can't do anything besides hit home runs. And when it's cold outside, 
the Yankees can't make anything happen. Not that people were expecting that. The Tampa Bay Rays swept Baltimore over the weekend, and then they got absolutely shellacked by an A's team that's not supposed to be very good tonight. So I guess is what I'm saying is like baseball is a funny game. Baseball is not a game that makes sense a lot of times. And sometimes your assumptions can be proven wrong. We assume the Brewers were going to start off hot. Now, what if the Brewers go go uh, two and four in their first six, and then they go sweep the Cardinals, and then they're six and four heading into the the third week of the year? What if that happens? You know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It's so dumb. It's so dumb sometimes to get too high, get too low. But I, I do want to carry around the motto of, you know, every game's important. Every game should matter. It shouldn't be this like, all right, well, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to panic. I think, I guess there's a fine line between freaking out versus just being like, okay, these are wins you're going to want in September. And the fact that you didn't take advantage of it and you'll see that the Cubs have only won 80 games and that the Orioles are just barely getting to 60 wins, that's going to fucking piss you off. And I think it will piss the Brewers off less if they're able to do, do the damn thing against the Orioles in the next two nights. Now you have Eric Lauer, who will try to buck the trend of starting pitchers being absolute garbage for the first four four times through the rotation. And he'll get another Corbin Burns start, and we'll see how that goes. And we'll see if Corbin's improved from the last time around. And hopefully the pitch comp stuff figures itself out at at Camden Yard. It was a complete mess today. There was all sorts of technical issues. I have no idea if that affected the Brewer pitching staff. I mean, the only guy that really was bad was Hauser, right? Ashby did well, I thought. Gustav did a really good job uh, kind of keeping the, keeping the game at 2 nothing. And the Brewers had a couple big hits that were just warning track power. And if it was a little warmer outside... I think the Brewers win that game like 6-2. to two. Um, Peterson had a deep fly. I think McCutcheon had one with two on. Uh, you, someone else had a big, had one that, you know, maybe it was Lorenzo Cain went to the warning track. It, it, there were opportunities for the Brewers, and they just couldn't do it. And they're 2 of 22 with runners in scoring position through four games. Hunter Renfro kind of snapped back at, a, at somebody and said it's four games. And I get that, but... It, you gotta you, if you have the hype, man. The pressure is gonna be there, and the Brewers have yet to sort of live up to that hype. Yeah, it's a week. It's a half weekend. We're not we're not even full through a full week, right? Still, there are expectations for this team, and I think they're they're kind of they kind of are starting to feel it with at least what the media the media questions are, and maybe too. Just and this is just a thought, and I say this out of complete respect. You don't have Tom Hardricourt around, all right? And Tom Hardricourt, legend journalist, he's done a lot. He definitely amplified a lot of voices in Milwaukee of you know really well respected in the baseball community. But Tom carried the water down the stretch. So he got older, he got closer to the organization, and he carried the water. And guys like Kurt Hogg, guys like Todd Rosiak, McAlvey, I think all of them do really good work, and I don't think that's there anymore. 
So maybe that's a little bit of why Vassallo tweeted that out today. That they we're not we're not in water carrying land anymore for the media. They're gonna ask you a couple tough questions, and you gotta be willing to answer them. So who knows? We'll see how the Brewers respond tonight, tomorrow, as we as we continue on. Um, it's not necessarily something where we have to have a topic every night about the Brewers, but I know there are a lot of people who are sort of feeling the same way I am. It sucks to start the season off slow. It's never fun. It's I mean, we dealt with it a little bit with the Bucs too, right? Um, we've dealt with it with the Packers before. It's been a while since the Packers have really got slow out the gates besides the Saints disaster. Uh, but I'm talking like when McCarthy was there where they would be like two and three or something dumb. We don't really have a lot of that anymore with LaFleur, or at least the last few years haven't been that way. But yeah, it's never fun to start slow. You just have a lot more anxiety about everything. I would just like the Brewers to get jump out to a lead. They have not jumped out to a lead in the first four games. They are 0-4 in doing that, and it has translated to three losses. So hopefully the Brewers can jump out early against you know whatever farm hand Baltimore is throwing out tomorrow and they can kind of kind of make some noise here because that, that would be much appreciated. All right, moving on to the NBA, and then we'll wrap up. I don't want to do too much. Everybody's had their take on NBA MVPs, but the more I've thought about the NBA MVP, the more mad I got about Nikola Jokic winning it. I think it's absolute garbage that Nikola Jokic is going to be the MVP. And I don't know, maybe he won't be. Maybe it'll be a tight race. Maybe it'll be a dual MVP, and... Embiid and Jokic share. It probably won't be Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is fine. I I think Giannis kind of was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck about this. I want to make sure my teammates are all ready. I don't really care about this MVP thing. I'm going to take some time off. I'm not going to necessarily give it my all. Of one good, one more good performance against Detroit. I thought actually Boston down the stretch he was really good too, but I'm not necessarily going to be like submitting a case. Like they, my, I basically Giannis had a bad finale. Giannis was basically Euphoria season one finale. Like that's what Giannis was. If you're familiar with the show, like a bad finale. That's what that's Giannis in a nutshell. Embiid was obviously different, and that Jokic was Jokic. I think the fact is is that Jokic is getting way too much credit for the guys that were injured around around him. People are like, oh, that Denver roster sucked. Well, Denver really was bad against teams that had winning records all season. Like, Denver was offensively bad. I think they only won something like 9 or 10 games. They are not good against teams with winning records. They have been a team that takes care of the bad opponents. And Nikola Jokic gets his stats up. Denver was wildly overrated all season. And the fact is, is Jokic didn't put the Nuggets into the top four seed. If the Nuggets are a top four seed with the roster they have, 100% Jokic is the MVP. They're a six seed. How are we rewarding that? And some people are like, well, the records are close enough, whatever. But look, man, the Nuggets are not playing one series at home unless they're playing the seven-seeded Timberwolves or Clippers in the second round, all right? So how can we reward that? How are we rewarding the MVP for going on the road in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, Joel Embiid is only a four seed. Yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo is only a three seed. But they are at least hosting one round of the playoffs. They are at least welcoming an opposing team to their kingdom. 
Jokic isn't doing that. And I think that's why we have such the, the tightness of the, of the three. But we can't do this thing every year where someone has an incredible season and players are out or players are injured and we suddenly throw flowers at that guy. Like, what if Luca's calf explodes, all right? I'm just pure hypothetical, okay? I don't want this to happen. But let's say Luca comes back too early, his calf explodes, maybe he tears his Achilles, and Luca's out all next year. And Spencer Dinwiddie's awesome. Spencer Dinwiddie ends up, you know, having this sort of renaissance year, this out-of-body experience where Dinwiddie is finally the star. People are talking about him for All-NBA. There's like, can we really do Dinwiddie for MVP? Look what he's did without Luca. He's a six or a seven seed. Like, are we just going to play this card every time out? Or like, what if Chris Paul retires and the Phoenix Suns are a two seed or a three seed next year? Whether they win a finals or don't win a finals, I think that's kind of irrelevant. Or people would be like, well, Devin Booker, like, look what he did without Chris Paul. Like, shouldn't we, is, is that always going to be this sort of, Fail save versus looking at actual performance. Embiid and Jokic's numbers are very similar. If you want to buy into the narrative, I would say Embiid deserves it from a narrative perspective. The guy dealt with Ben Simmons. There's always been the rumors that he has not been able to stay healthy. That he's not been able to be in shape. Embiid had one of the most dominant big man performances of all time. He's a leading. He was the leading scorer in the NBA. And the first big man to do it since fucking Shaq. All right? And you could argue Giannis, whatever. I, I don't think Giannis has a scoring title, actually. I was supposed to say Giannis, but I don't think Giannis has a scoring title. And Giannis is the best player in the league, but he's just going to have these moments where he doesn't get the MVP because he needs to do something completely out of his ass or his team needs to be excellent. So Bucks won 55 games this year. I think Giannis is the MVP without question. But because no team out of the three, Denver, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, separated themselves, were having all this sort of misdirection, if you will. And people are falling on Jokic and saying the yeah, but. We should really take that out of our voter quality. It, that, to me, does not matter as much. It's like, well, if you were out Jokic, they're, they're winless. Well, yeah, they're a bad team even with Jokic. Like, this isn't a good basketball team. It's a team that take advantage of bad teams. So I really don't see the case for Jokic. In fact, I'll add this spicy take. I might even put Jokic fourth. Even as good of a season as Jokic has, why doesn't Jason Tatum deserve sort of the credit of helping the Celtics to a two-seat and taking the Celtics team from being complete ass to be the second best team in the Eastern Conference in a very good Eastern Conference. And also, too, speak going back to Luka, what's the difference between Luka's guys versus Jokic's guys? Luka doesn't have anybody after him. Dinwiddie's okay. Dorian Finney-Smith is probably not a starter for, gosh, at least 20 to 25 teams in the NBA. Okay? Maxi Kleber, I don't know. If he's on the Bucks, Max Kleber probably 15 minutes off the bench, but I don't even know. Maxie's like a worse version of Bobby Portis. So, like, I, I look at Luka and, like, if we're going to do the yeah but for Jokic, I, I don't really think, I don't understand why Luka doesn't have that same yeah but. 
So I am kind of done talking about the MVP. It is what it is. If it's Jokic, I think it's a disservice to the league. I think Embiid deserves it just from narrative and understanding how the NBA works. I would still give it to Giannis. But I, I think that if I were to submit a vote, if I had a vote, and I took away my bias, just sort of said, thought about it, who had the most impactful season, the most valuable season, I would say it's Embiid. And I would put Giannis second and put Jokic third, but maybe even fourth and put Tatum third, Jokic fourth, Luka fifth. That would probably be my ballot. Not that, not that I'm going to be getting an NBA uh, MVP ballot anytime soon, but that's what I would do. All right, that does it for our show. Back tomorrow, uh, we will talk about offensive linemen with Murph. We will have a few other things, I'm sure, in the hopper. Uh, also, tapping the keg on Thursday again. Been in kind of a rhythm with Thursdays. Uh, Shea Ken will be joining us, but no DJ talk, not a lot. Doing a lot more on Just Sports. He won the bracket. He'll be hanging out with Mitch and I. Looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun on Wednesday night. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.